A really sad note from the Major League Baseball world that I saw just before I started the show. I didn't know that Tim Wakefield's widow also battled cancer. Uh, I had no idea. Somehow I missed it. Um, And if you or Red Sox fan, or just know the name Tim Wakefield, you may remember that he passed away five months ago. He had a seizure related to a surgery that he was uh, going through for his brain cancer. And now five months later, his wife has passed away from a different type of cancer. So the two of them were battling cancer at the same time. It's unimaginable. They have a couple of kids who are now in their early 20s, I believe, maybe 1920, but just saw that news before I started the show. Gosh, that something that you wouldn't wish on any family, the two of them going through it together. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, doing a little bit more baseball this segment as we talk about not just the Yamamoto debut, which is fun, and I just like to say his name, so you might hear it a few more times. Um, And the Dodgers striking it rich. I guess you could say that about Otani and Yamamoto. But the Dodgers striking it rich with these two Japanese players this offseason, feeling like they have the tools now. They also brought back Clayton Kershaw, though he's not ready to pitch or won't be ready to pitch uh, to start the season. But they're looking at Yamamoto as their ace and then hoping that that stabilizes their pitching staff. I mean, he's super dominant in Japan the last couple years. We know about Otani and his transition. Could he be the Otani of the mound? Oh, wait, Otani's also on the mound. So they're not going to have Otani pitch this year, that you know. But a billion dollars to bring in a two-time MVP and what they believe will be their ace. And Yamamoto is just 25 years old. So they give him this 12-year deal. He's only 25, as long as he stays healthy. And if you know anything about Asian players, you know that they work their rear ends off. They're so committed to fitness and consistency They're so committed to being on the field, sometimes to the detriment of their physical health. And there's no doubt that for the Dodgers, they don't have to worry about whether or not these guys would just take the money and kind of loaf it. But that's not the case. They'll do everything they possibly can to be out there. They want to play. They want to win. And when they make a commitment, it's not just about the physical tools. It's about being all in. It's about... Honoring the commitment. No doubt there are other teams around the league that wish they had the billion dollars to spend. The Dodgers do not care. They're raking in money hand over fist. And if they win a World Series or two or three, I'm just spitballing here. Well, then they're okay with spending this money. And the Dodgers are a rich franchise. They have a a tradition that's worldwide. They're a global brand. Just talked about the attraction, the lure for Asian players, but also for Asian fans. The Dodgers have zero qualms in spending the money. None whatsoever. And they've spent money in the last couple decades, gone to a couple World Series, 
only won since 88 the title in 2020. They're trying to cash in. They're trying to capitalize. But also, it's it's not just about the here and now. It's not just about 24 or 25. It's about the long-term investment in building their brand and attracting new fans and cultivating the international audience. And then the Cubs, Cody Bellinger in-house, Scott Boris, he's got work to do. So a little more from the baseball realm. We'll get to some QB news later on this hour. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. Our friend, Chicago Johnny is weighing in from Las Vegas. Hey, you have to say happy birthday to producer Jay. I oh, it's his birthday. Oh, I didn't know that. This week, yes. Oh, happy, happy birthday, Jay. <laughs> and how how are you, my friend? I'm all right. I'm I'm all right. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Now, do you remember the last time that we talked? Uh, what I told you about the Chicago Bears? I know you're not talking football. Well, we will in a little bit. We will in a little bit. You said some uh, oh. something about Justin Fields going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, yeah, add, add another team now, the Atlanta Falcons. He can't go to both. Which one is it? Well, it's going to be one of the three, either either Pittsburgh, Atlanta, or Las Vegas. <laughs> well, you watch. I mean, you're just you're just guessing now, Johnny. <laughs> no, no. It's, no, no, I'm not. I'm, it's just what I'm. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I so, wonder. I wonder if but, they even know yet. But let me ask you a question. Did you say something about that? You you know how to play the piano? I do. And you can play songs on a piano. Yes. All right. I got a deal for you. What would you say if I was to be able to work out a deal where? When you come to Las Vegas, no, and you will. I'm summer. not playing in person. I'm not playing in public. <laughs> I haven't done that in you years. Can, no. <laughs> you could play on stage. No. with the twins. No, at Julie <laughs> Piano. No, no, I am not a professional. I play it because I enjoy it and it's fun. I learned all the way through elementary and then high school and played in college. But I have not played in public since I was in high school. Uh, my high school graduation was the last time I played in public, I think. I played a little in college and, and messed around with some friends, but I don't know. This is what I do in public. I'm not playing piano in public. I haven't even played <laughs> piano in front of my husband yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever got the guts, the opportunity is there for you. Oh, that's really so, nice of you. And... Uh, you you let me know when you're ready to take me up on the, on your free trip. You want to hear something it. crazy? I know. I appreciate that so much. But we have three family weddings between May wow. and September. Yeah, and all of them we have to fly to. And so we've got, we are scheduled just completely filled up from Memorial Day through uh, Labor Day. So essentially from NBA Finals to the start of the NFL season, we have to fly to three different weddings. And my brother turns 
uh, milestone birthday this year. And so we've got these four family events now in the summer between Memorial Day and, and right after Labor Day. We've got four big family events that we have to attend. So, I, well, yeah, some, our summer just got full. Somehow, some way, I will uh, figure out a way to extend uh, my offer to you. You're so kind. Yeah. I promise and you, it's not because we don't think it's a really cool offer and you're very sweet and generous. It's just because we have, we're already like, it's too much flying this That's year. Okay. It's too much I flying. <laughs> well, I totally understand, but we'll, we'll work something out. All right. Well, that's not, very nice of you. If not this year, then we get you next year. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. All right. You have a great day, and uh, uh, CJ will be listening. Uh, all right, Johnny. Nice to hear from you. Take care, hon. 855-212-4227. That's our toll-free line. He's so kind. He's extended this all-expenses-paid offer to, to return to Las Vegas. I think producer Jay should take him up on it. You guys really hit it off at the Mop Museum. Can't say I'm not interested. Uh, right? And he's got the offer of a tour of of uh, Las Vegas CJ style or Chicago Johnny style. Have you worn your hat yet? I, I have. Actually. Your Chicago yes, Johnny hat? Yes. It's one of my most prized possessions now. <laughs> oh, mine says Chicago Amy on it. Yeah, I'm not as cool. <laughs> he got mine printed specifically for me, which is cool. And it is bright orange, as in bright orange. So... A neat present from him, a neat memento from our trip to Las Vegas. I was just actually doing a photo dump off my phone on Wednesday afternoon, and that's what I was doing, was going through, I guess I went back to the fall, maybe September. I hadn't dumped any photos off my phone since September. So, of course, like a total nerd, I was categorizing, and then I was organizing. I was putting them in folders that were in other folders, uh, and, and I happened to come across... Well, not happened to. I came across the photos from Vegas and was looking at them. There's some real good ones. Uh, so, yeah, photo dump is done off the phone, but now I've got to do the downloading of the wedding photos, which uh, also have to be categorized. You know, family, friends, wedding, reception. You should see the stars in my eyes. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, we talked to longtime Marlins president, and current baseball analyst and award-winning podcast host, David Sampson. He always joins us live here on the show. Starts out, he has kind of a frog in his voice. It's so great. And you can tell he just woke up. And then he kind of moves through and, and he warms up. He never fails to bring it, though. And I knew I would get the lowdown on Scott Boris when I asked him. So a series of questions on the baseball Uber agent. But I started out by asking him what Boris is like or no, what the opinion of Boris is like behind closed doors around baseball. It's extremely negative. I think is the nicest way I could put it. And I think it's negative with other agents as well toward him. And I think it's based a little bit on jealousy, but it's also based on just, you know, poofery is what I call it. Uh, when you go to the winter meetings or the GM meetings, there's only one agent who quote unquote holds court who has an entire press conference set up just for himself, who is really such a, a self PR machine. But remember, Scott Boris is nothing without owners agreeing to deals for his players. And when his players get deals that they want, then they love Scott Boris. But there are a lot of players he has that just sort of fall by the wayside because he over asks. 
And so I always blamed myself, never Scott, for bad deals that I did with him because we have to say yes while we would overpay a player because he would convince our owner that this player was the one piece missing for a World Series or any other marketing ridiculousness that he would do on behalf of his clients. (laughs) We're the ones on the team side. Without us, nothing happens. And so we always bail him out and make him look right. And this year, it looks like it's not happening. And that's a fascinating change that the entire industry is watching, including all the other agents, where they look and say, wow, if teams don't bail out Boris, then maybe players won't be poached by Boris as much and they won't want to go to Boris as much because they won't think that going to him will all of a sudden get them this more money that, in theory, their own agent can't get them, which, of course, isn't true. Current agents, we never said, oh, we'll give more money because it's a Boris client. (laughs) But yet we often did. It was a very strange phenomenon, and it looks like it may be changing. And that's why I'm watching so intently what happens with Chapman and with Montgomery and with Snell. I've always wondered this, so I need your insider intel. Are clients of Boris allowed to overrule him? Or when you sign with him, does does he get final say? Because sometimes it feels like players actually would maybe take a little less or they would like to get in camp, they'd like to get the deal done, but they're waiting on their agent. Yeah, I've never seen anything like what happens with Boris. And he spends a lot of time publicly denying that he that it's the players who make the final decisions. But I've been around him for 18 years. It's just not the case. I can't tell you the number of players who told me, yeah, I, I won't, I can't do that deal. My agent will not allow me to do that deal. Uh-huh. And I would say to the player, but it's your life. It's your career. It's your money. The biggest example is someone like a, uh, uh, a Marcelo Zuna or a Jose Fernandez who then passed away without having any long-term deal. Uh, they, they basically said to our front office, we're sorry. Thank you for that offer, but we're going to pass. And when we'd ask, you know, why? This, look at the value we're giving you. We get a reason of our agent does not believe that you are valuing me at where I should be valued. Mm. And my answer always was, that does not interest me, what you just said. What do you and your family think about what we are offering? And so one of the rules that Scott Boris players have is, you're going to listen to me. And that's the rule. And I'm going to take care of you. And you're going to make more money with me than with anyone else. I promise. And the problem is, uh, those promises don't always come true. Yeah, you can promise that, as David points out. But if there's no market, or if the market is tepid, or it's different, or in the case of Bellinger, you end up having to pivot and take something different. But Bellinger is a former MVP. Snell's got a couple Cy Youngs. Jordan Montgomery has got a great resume. And still, they haven't signed. There is something to be said for Boris overshooting, overpromising, and not being able to come through, whether he overestimates the market or, as David Sampson indicates, teams just don't want to deal with him. The rest of that conversation, it's fantastic. I asked him why free agents, so many high-profile free agents, are still available 
why they haven't signed. And he believes they're getting antsy as well. So I highly recommend you listen to the conversation with David if you're interested in this sort of thing. You can find our podcast simply by Googling it or using any search engine that you want. After Hours with Amy Lawrence podcast. That's how I find it. I suppose I could bookmark something, but it's just easier to go to a search engine. On Twitter, A Law Radio, and then on our Facebook page as well. So looking around the NFL landscape, we know there are teams that need quarterbacks. There are teams that still need quarterbacks. <laughs> but the the delineation or the, the distinction being some teams are looking for quarterbacks for the first time in a while or a first time in a few years. Maybe they want to upgrade. Maybe they're unsure. And then you've got teams that are just always looking for quarterbacks. Some would like to keep their QBs because if you don't have him, well, where are you going to get one? The pickings are slim in the free agent market. And even more so if Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins stay put, which both of their teams are motivated to bring them back. Well, then what? Justin Fields would be the piece that might be available in a trade. As our friend Johnny just told us, there's three different places he could go. Well, that's what Ryan Poles wants. Ryan wants a bidding war for Justin Fields. So we'll hear from Ryan Poles coming up next. Also, this video of Justin singing (laughs) with his manager in the background. We can't lip read because we can't see him, but there's some audio. Thanks for hanging out with us on what is quickly becoming a Thursday morning and it's leap day. So for those of you leap day birthdays out there, leap day babies, happy birthday to you. Like actually, legitimately your birthday. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Johnson, the lone back, they'll work him under center. Trent Taylor in the lineup to the right. Mercedes Lewis to the right side, tight end, hand down. Snap, Taylor in motion, play fake field, looking to throw. Going to run left, being chased by Gardeck. It's all fields. You can't catch him. He's in for the touchdown. Touchdown, Bears. It opened up three yards to the score, and the Bears have grabbed the lead 6-0 here at Soldier. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Jeff Joniak on Bears Radio. It remains the number one question because the Bears have the number one pick. And coming up, not even an hour from now. Oh, no, just over an hour from now. Sorry, my fault. Got the times wrong. Uh, Just over an hour from now, we will check in with David Haw, who's part of the morning show on our Chicago affiliate, AM670, The Score. And we'll ask him the buzz and really the belief around the Bears' decision at number one. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Poles is trying to keep all of this under wraps. That doesn't surprise me. You have more bargaining power and you have more leverage if you keep 
your decisions, your inclinations, your hopes and dreams all to yourself when it comes to a number one pick and certainly when it comes to the quarterback position. If he's hoping to get a big return for Justin Fields, well, the best way to do it is to get a bidding war among other teams. But you got to be careful so that teams don't know what everyone else is offering up, right? So a team like, I'm, and I'm just throwing out team names. Don't take this as I know something that you don't. If the Falcons want him, it's better for the Bears if they don't know what the Steelers might offer. I mean, think about it. If you've ever bid on a house, if you've ever bid on eBay, if you've ever taken part in a silent auction, well, you have more power and more leverage as a bidder if you know what others are willing to put up. And, of course, you don't want to overbid because then you think, crap, I gave up way too much. The other suitors weren't even close. But that's where the leverage for the Bears come in, comes in. And that uncertainty among other teams, well, that helps the Bears. Now, if those other teams are talking behind the Bears' back, proverbial and collective back, then there's nothing you can do about that. That would be collusion, though, which is illegal. It's After Hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Poles sat in front of microphones at the Combine, and he was asked, of course, about what the Bears will do with that number one pick, which then affects Justin Fields. Contrary to reports out there, I have no master plan to present to everyone today. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to continue to gather information, um, learn about the different players in the draft, um, listen to what opportunities could come up. Um, and then at the end of the day, we're going to make the best decision um, that we can for the Chicago Bears. Uh, it will not be based on fear of what could happen with this and what could happen with that. We're going to put our information together and make the best decision because at the end of the day, we'll always throw our decision making against kind of our core kind of deal, which is win championships and sustain success for a long period of time. There's a lot that goes into that, uh, but we're excited to gather that information and and create clarity uh, as we go along. I don't have a master plan to present, he said. Not, I don't have a master plan, period. I'm sure it's still a work in process. I can't imagine that they're sure. They maybe have a way they want to go, and a path they'd like to walk. And if I had my guess, it would be, again, bidding war for Justin Fields, get the most out of him, or get the most for him. But yeah, I guess your parting shot is get the most out of him. And then select Caleb Williams. Not because right now he's better than Justin Fields, But as our longtime NFL GM, former NFL executive of the year, Randy Mueller, told us last week, if nothing else, you reset with a rookie contract, meaning you can get, what, three years? Actually, you could get five years out of Caleb without having to pay big bucks, though at some point, probably through year three, you're looking at a long-term extension if you decide he's the face of your franchise. But you can get a starting quarterback that's more affordable 
uh, using my air quotations, as the market goes, <laughs> you can get a starting quarterback that's more affordable as opposed to paying Justin Fields. If you don't think he gives you any type of a huge competitive advantage over Caleb, well, then might as well get Caleb for cheaper. Lots of talk about Caleb Williams, of course. He didn't work out in Indianapolis, but he did a pretty extensive interview with Pete Thamel. And part of what he told Pete on Tuesday is that he's had a pretty in-depth conversation with the Bears. And he's ready to get back to football, right? He's wanted to, to play in the NFL since he was little, 10 or 11. And he wants to meet his new teammates and get to work. He had this narrative swirling around him. Don't know where it came from. I hate this kind of stuff. But this idea that he would not go to Chicago, that he would request a trade if Chicago drafted him. Again, I don't know where it came from, but he said to Pete Thamel, and I quote, if I get drafted by the Bears, I'll be excited. If they trade the pick and I get drafted by someone else, I'm just as excited. Speaking about Chicago, they have a talented team, a talented offense and defense. I'm not pushing any agenda. Regardless of how I feel, I'm not pushing an agenda of, yeah, I want to go or no, I don't want to go. I'm excited for whatever comes. All right, so the Chicago Bears have that number one pick. What if they do decide to draft a quarterback, Ryan Poles? If we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. The headlines, if you only looked at the headlines around Ryan Poles and his comments, I saw one that said he tips his hand about what the Bears are going to do. No, he doesn't. He says, if we go down the road of drafting a quarterback at number one, we want to do right by Justin as well. If that's tipping his hand, am I missing something, Producer Jay? Did he say something reading between those lines that I'm just not catching? Because to me, it just sounds like if we draft a quarterback, well, then we want to do what we can for Justin. Yeah, I don't think we learned anything new. Uh, I don't think so that. either. I don't think so either. It seems like Ryan is giving us pat answers. And again, of course, I understand why he is. But what about Justin and where they are right now with their current QB? I told him this after uh, the season when we had our exit meetings that, you know, transparency and communication is, is key in these moments. Um, and I told him we will do that. So I've been in contact with his team and, and kind of let him let them know like what we're looking at, um, how things might play out. 
um, and that we'll continue to communicate as we move forward. Again, I understand how uncomfortable that is for him. Um, but again, like I told him, and he understands, I think he said it the other day too, it's, it's part of this business. It is a unique situation. So, uh, but yeah, I'll continue that communication. I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, Caleb Williams also, Williams also told Pete Thamel that he's done deep dives on YouTube, no doubt. Watching Michael Jordan and Walter Payton, two of Chicago's legendary athletes. Also, he has told Thamel that he loves deep dish pizza. (laughs) That's a nod to Chicago. I feel like that might be a little brown nosy of him. It's a little much. So if the Jets or the Giants had the number one overall pick, would he talk about how he loves, uh, what's it called? Thin, thin crust. Thin, thin crust. Yeah. New York style. I prefer thin crust because if you do deep dish and you have all the extra crust, well, then you fill up on the crust. I prefer the very thin, thin slice, thin, thin skin. How about Detroit style? Which is? I'm actually not sure what the difference is. I just know I've seen it around and I think it's like becoming more popular. But you have no idea what it is. No, I've never had it. So you just brought it up even though you have no clue. And just if you've ever had it, Detroit style. No, I've never had pizza in Detroit. I've been to Detroit many times. I've never had pizza in Detroit. Let's Google it. Even though I have to get to my CBS Sports Minute. Detroit style pizza layers the crust with cheese and toppings below the sauce. Detroit style pizza. It's rectangular, first of all. And... It's traditionally topped to the edges with mozzarella or Wisconsin brick cheese. Sounds pretty good. Huh. Which caramelizes caramel caramelizes caramelizes against the high-sided heavyweight rectangular pan. A thick, crisp, chewy crust. All right. So it's a brick pizza essentially. What's the difference between Chicago and Detroit? A Chicago-style slice is built upon a flaky, thin, thin, deep crust. On the other hand, Detroit-style is thick and fluffy. It's more like a focaccia. Ah. Well, then I guess you'd actually more fill up on Detroit-style pizza than you would in Chicago. Though Chicago has more crust, but it's still thin. Detroit's the thick crust. crust. That's what gets you. No, that's how you fill up. Then you get less of the pizza, the toppings, the cheese, the sauce, whether it's a meat lovers, whether it's a Supreme, which happens to be my personal favorite, you get less of that because you fill up on crust. Or another example of how this works is if you go to a buffet at the Bellagio and it's your birthday gift and instead of starting with Food that will not fill you up, you start with pizza, which you eat all the time, mm. and pancakes. Pan- it was The pizza wasn't the starter. That was just like a side to the starter. It was oh. The brunch was the starter, really, like the pancakes Meaning and breakfast. the waffles. The breakfast was the starter. Yes. Yeah. Poor Jay. And the bacon. He ran out of gas so quickly. It was delicious, though. He ran out of gas so it quickly. so good. <laughs> All right, coming up, a little more from the other QB question marks like Washington, like Atlanta, even New York. 
Oh, yeah, always. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hurry back to throw, and it is. Is it lost? Oh, my goodness, it's lost. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Back from under center, steps back, throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, L.A. Burrow back to throw, looking, firing deep for Chase in the end zone. He's got it. Mahomes fires for the end zone, caught, touchdown, Kansas City. And off to Eckler again, no, Herbert keeps it, end zone, touchdown, Chargers. Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap, Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five, into the end zone, touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. questions there are so many questions we want to dive in we want to go deep dish with our quarterbacks it's after hours with amy lawrence here on cbs sports radio we just talked about ryan poles justin fields the chicago bears question at that topic of the draft well how about staying in the nfc north kirk cousins has indicated he'd be willing to take less money for a chance to win they want him back in Minnesota, and Kevin O'Connell was saying exactly that on Sirius XM NFL Radio. From day one, uh, my opinion on Kirk Cousins has, has never really wavered, and if anything, it's been strengthened by what he's done on the field. We've won a good amount of football games together over these first two years. I've really enjoyed being around Kirk. I believe Kirk wants to be a Viking, and I think Kirk knows how we feel about him. So there's going to be negotiations. I mean, Kirk, this is not his first time entering free agency and, and, and you know, something that he's earned the right, even overcoming uh, the injury, which he's already off to a great start doing clearly uh, with what he's been doing, you know, with our people in-house throughout his rehab. And, and ultimately, he's going to hit the ground running this spring. I know that. That's good to hear about Kirk and his health since he tore his Achilles. Kevin O'Connell pulling no punches on SiriusXM NFL Radio. They want him back, though he does admit that Kirk will have other suitors. There's going to be a negotiation. Uh, hopefully we can come to an agreement. Uh, there's there's some time uh, before the first day of that league year when everything kind of uh, will happen very, very quickly. And I know we're spending a lot of time, dialogue, communication, uh, that's really ramping up. And, and I think that's the most important thing is just make sure we leave no um, absence of communication throughout this whole process so that each side is constantly in lockstep and we can work towards getting something done. In case you're wondering, no, the Vikings are not trading Justin Jefferson. I'm not sure why that would even be a question, but no, you can imagine he desperately wants Kirk Cousins back. They have made sweet music together as a QB wide receiver combo. All right, staying in the NFC, but heading to the South, where the Falcons have a new head coach, and he needs a new quarterback, but he knows this is the biggest challenge of the next couple months. We all evaluated Tom Brady wrong when we drafted him in the sixth round. Um, and he's turned out to be one of the best players, if not the best quarterback in the National Football League has ever seen. So it has continuously to been an issue for everybody, right? But you got to have your profile set up and what you look for. You got to have your processes ready to go. You want the guy to have the intangibles, the smart and the gamer and be a player. Uh, we know those things. And then you go out and you try to find those guys and who's displayed it at the best level and try to make those picks. Raheem Morris going deep and recognizes that the Falcons need a QB or they're going nowhere. In fact, he says they're ready to win in 2024 in what is a relatively open NFC South, though you would expect the Bucs to get better. But 
according to Morris, they've got to have a QB or the whole thing becomes a moot point. What are they looking for? You want to go get the best fit for your people. You want to go get the best fit for your coaches. You want to go get the best fit for our city. And you want to do all those things. Like, it, it, there's nothing ruled out. And I, you know, I, forgot, to mention, I forgot to mention trade, yeah. you know, because all of those things come into play. You know, and, like, I know I'm all over the place with you right now. No. And it's good because we've really been tedious. We've really been uh, going through the process of how we're going to acquire the best fit for us. And I know you're going to jump all over this best fit for the city thing. I can see the excitement well, I mean, you in said your it. face you said it because said it. On CBS Sports, Raheem Morris getting fired up about finding that QB. Uh, according to team owner Arthur Blank, in 2023, between Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, the QB play was, quote, deficient. And Raheem actually said, if the Falcons had a quarterback, I wouldn't be here. Ouch. It's truth, but sometimes the truth hurts. So that's in the NFC South. In the NFC East, oh, it's the Commanders again looking for a quarterback with their new head coach, Dan Quinn. You certainly want to look for a quarterback who can get it out of a bad play. You know, in our NFL, it doesn't just all time up evenly. I think if you guys look at the stats, we had more mobile scrambling quarterbacks this year than maybe at any time over the last 20 years. And so a lot of that is when a play breaks down, they can go create and get on the move to go. And so how do you speed up when a blitz is coming and it's not there yet and you buy time to let that happen? Those are traits that are hard to measure. They're not accuracy. How do you get out of a bad play? There's not a metric for that. How do you speed up a throw that the blitz is coming? It's not quite there yet, but you have to get rid of it early because you're about to get drilled. Those are things that you look for. And so that's why at that position, the tape, the tape, the tape, you have to find that. Dan Quinn really harping on a quarterback who can adjust on the fly, who can see and process and watch and then make his move. And when a play breaks down, he doesn't freak out. He knows what to do next. His instincts help, but also the preparation and the training and the practice. Uh, If you're wondering, the Commanders pick number two in the NFL draft. The Falcons pick number eight. So there could be quarterbacks available at both those spots, obviously. It's a quarterback-rich draft, but the top prospects are going to go quickly. As for the New York Giants, well, they have Daniel Jones under contract. He's rehabbing an ACL. So what about that QB position, Joe Shane? I have faith in Daniels, our starting quarterback. Short and sweet. Joe doesn't need to say a whole lot. I guess he'd rather talk about Saquon Barkley. Barkley, by the way, who's not tagged, and they will try to get a deal done with him. Uh, If you believe Joe, there's no movement and no change at the quarterback position. Uh, We know Aaron Rodgers is expected to start for the other New York team, the Jets, in 2024, and now they're allowing Zach Wilson to go find a new home. We've given them permission um, to talk to other teams about a trade. Um, I'm going to circle back with Brian at some point, um, either this week or next week, just to see how those conversations go. But um, other than that, there's there's nothing else to report. Brian being Zach Wilson's agent. I love it when they say, player, agent, go seek a trade. You go do the work, and we will be the benefactor. So, yeah, Zach Wilson not expected to be a Jet. I don't have your number. You're not going to have my number. Next season. Of course, I said that this time last year. Uh, That's Joe Douglas. Finally, Sean Payton, uh, Broncos, 
they haven't yet parted ways with Russell Wilson. They would love someone to trade for him. He's got a weird way of expressing what this offseason is like as they solidify that position. I saw this like humorous meme the other day where there's a Bronco fan with a shirt on and there was like eight quarterbacks names with a cross through it, you know, and and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid and I you know, our, our job is to make sure that this next one, you know, doesn't have a line through it. Now, see, that to me is tipping his hand. This next one, right? I mean, he doesn't say this one. He says the next one. Now, I don't know if Russell Wilson was on the shirt, but I would imagine that Russ was part of the meme slash the T-shirt. I love that Sean Payton is looking at memes about the Broncos QB position. But if he says the next one, that to me is giving it away, right? So we know that Russell Wilson is expects to be somewhere else, but he also said he would prefer to stay in Denver. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio.